we are on a journey through the book of Acts, and today we are doing Acts chapter 10 and a bit of chapter 11. So I probably will get louder as I go along, so just bear with me as I begin on a low note. I like that today is uh, Father's Day because the theme of what I'm going to talk about, we are basically going to do a refresher course and look at the person of Jesus. Uh, many times we are in church, we're in Christian circles, quote-unquote, um, and we are doing the things and we are saying the sayings and we sometimes lose focus of the fact that it's all about Jesus at the end of the story. When you take away everything from me, all that should be left is me and Jesus, me and my relationship with him. And as we look at Acts chapter 10 and start looking at Cornelius and Peter and the disciples and the whole conversations that they had, Today, the point that I want to bring out uh, through the scriptures is that at the end of the day, it's about Jesus. Even in the afternoon, as we come to have our encounter service, it's Jesus whom we are encountering. Because many times, we have the motions, the actions, the words, the lingo, but do we truly and confidently have the walk? with Jesus, that he calls us to walk with him. You know, uh, for example, even before we get into Acts chapter 10, you remember uh, Mary and Martha, and one of them was busy, and the other one was seated at Jesus' feet. You know, are we, are we at a place where we are ready to leave everything and say, no, today, no matter what it is I'm walking through, it's Jesus who I want, and it's his presence that I want to go with and to lead me. And that's the presence I want to carry around. You know, when people meet with me, let them know me. Let them know Jesus through me. So I'm going to do a mix of reading. Uh, it's quite a long chapter, but I'll just read it. And then I'll stop at some point. And then we will talk about Cornelius. So I'm reading from NIV. Uh, this is Acts chapter 10, and I read verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So 
let me give you some background about what was happening at this time. This was a time when there were the Jews and then there were also people who would convert to Judaism. Um, what would happen is there was a whole uh, prescribed method of what you would have to do to become a convert to Judaism and it included circumcision. Um, in this case, these were the people, they were called devout and God-fearing because they had embraced the God of the Jews but not necessarily with um, the whole going through circumcision and everything like that. Now think about Cornelius. Cornelius would be what I would call a good man, a responsible man, a brave man. Why would, why would I call him all those things? Because one, the Bible says so. Two, Cornelius was a man who, in spite of all the Roman gods and the, the easy life that was a Roman officer's life, he forsook all that and chose to walk with God. We know that he was a good father because it says he and his household were devout, which means he brought them up also in the ways of God. He gave generously and he prayed to God regularly. By all accounts, that's a good man. In fact, as I was reading about Cornelius, I was reflecting about the instructions that Paul gives to the church about elders you know, and deacons. And I was thinking to myself, if Cornelius had been there, he would have ticked all those boxes. But here's the thing. Even with all that, there's something that he needed that he did not have yet. And this is where God sends an angel to come to him to give him instructions. Now, why did I say that Cornelius was a responsible man? Because Cornelius was one of, um, according to historians, he was one of 60 officers. The Italian regiment was actually a cohort. Uh, a cohort is a group of 6,000 soldiers. So what they, were, what they would do in the Roman army, they were very efficient in how they distributed resources. So they split it up into teams of hundreds. And so there were 60 centurions. A centurion was somebody who was in charge of 100 soldiers. And Cornelius was one of them. So I'm sure for him to have risen up the ranks and ascended to be one of these people means that he was somebody whom even his peers respected. So, verse 4. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered and said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So that means God was watching him even before the point of salvation and then gave him instructions to send for Peter. So as we go deeper into Cornelius' story, I want you to ask yourself, are you at a place where you feel like you are doing all the good works, you're ticking all the boxes, you're not ruffling feathers, but is there that one thing that you're missing? That God would say, okay, you need to hear what Peter has to say 
so that the circle is complete. Because these were good things he was doing. And for sure, his prayers and his gifts to the poor came up as a memorial offering before God. And the challenge for you and me, actually, as I was reading this, is do I get to a place where I feel spiritual, spiritually sufficient in myself? Why? Because I did my devotion, I did my prayer, uh, there's that person who I helped, I've done all these things, so now I am okay. And for God to send an angel to a good man to tell him that there's more, tells me that there's something else that God is requiring for me to do. That not that these other things are not important, but that the foundation first has to be right. And that's why today I was saying that we're going to do a refresher on why Jesus why Jesus? Why, why John 3.16? Why? Because sometimes we need to interrogate our faith and ask ourselves, why do I believe what I believe? So that we are able to give an account and give an answer for the hope that we carry. It's important because the days that we are in are days where it won't be necessarily in church only that the people are getting saved. You could be in the matatu and the person next to you says, okay, things are stressful, I need to get born again. And the Lord asks you to minister to the person next to you. It could be your workmate, it could be somebody on the street. And we as the children of God, we need equipping from the word of God for the times that we are in because we are the ones who have the light. We are the ones who have the light. We have the salt, we have the solution. That solution is called Jesus. But if we are not familiar with him, if we only know about Jesus, because I heard Pastor Kibet talk about him once, and I've seen Pastor Titus was a bit psyched up about him, but I don't really have that personal connection with him where I can say, yes, I know about Jesus, and I can tell you about him personally because I have encountered him personally. Is important. Alright, so let us continue because Cornelius is about to have this experience. Verse 9. Now the camera moves. The camera takes us now to Joppa where Peter is. Peter, um, you know that they have had the, they had the outpouring in the upper room. Then they have had a lot of miraculous things happen, converts coming into the church, and then they have also had the persecution breakout and the disciples be scattered. But Peter is still here. Um, it's approaching lunchtime and he decides, okay, I'm going up to the roof to pray. So Peter, this is something that we can learn from Peter because Peter walked with Jesus when Jesus was here physically. But even after Jesus has ascended back to heaven, Peter still has the discipline of prayer. And this is what I want to say about prayer. Prayer, sometimes we, we put it on ourselves that prayer is this thing I have to do. But if you're with somebody that you love, you don't feel an obligation to always go and pray. You won't feel like, oh no, we're being called for prayer meeting. Because 
we are being called for a meeting with somebody whom we love and who loves us. And not just somebody who we love. You see, humans, I like what you shared. You see, for us, we try and bring God and understand God from our human level. So, and that cannot work because God is greater than our human understanding. The love with which he loves you and me is greater than I can articulate to you, even if I had all the eloquent words in the world. Prayer is that thing you do because you love someone and you want to communicate with them. And that's how it is between us and God. Because you could also say Peter was the leader of the church at that time. His spiritual tank was full all the time, or so we would assume. I mean, I mean, this is the person who handkerchiefs and, and you know, they are walking around and people are being slain. But if you look at their lives, the disciples never left that intimate walk with Jesus. All right, back to Peter. Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call impure anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Also, I want to point out something about this. Remember, the disciples are undercover at this point because they're persecuted, they're being persecuted. So, literally, there's a wanted sign on Christians. Isn't it amazing that God gave very specific instructions and said, go and go to this town and ask for this person? Because obviously, if I was Peter and I knew, look, guests are out for my head, I would use my middle name and, and tell everyone, please only call me by my middle name now. I'm in a dangerous place. And that's why it says, when they found out where Simon's house was, because it wasn't automatic, they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Verse 19. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Definitely because by that time, the food that he had asked for had been cooked, it was ready, 
and it would have been very rude for him to say, wait a minute, and he goes and eats and then comes back to the men. So, even they, even the Jewish people respected Cornelius. Verse 22 to 23 tells us something very important, um, which I still want to emphasize to us about the reason why we should know Jesus personally is because even angels are not yet given the opportunity to preach the gospel. Think about it. Cornelius is all these things, he has ticked all these boxes, his prayers and his giving have come up as a memorial before God. An angel appears before him, but doesn't preach the gospel to him. Have you ever wondered why? How come? It is because you and I, now we who are the body of Christ, have been given that privilege and responsibility to carry this gospel to carry the message of Jesus to the people around us. It's our responsibility. It's, it's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not, uh, you know, the people who you've... It's not the pulpit people. It's all of us. All of us. I am passionate for, uh, for the body of Christ to be built up, to know who we are, so that we may be the light that we are supposed to be. All right. I want us now to do a small diversion and just look at some scriptures. And I'll probably start with uh, John 3.16. Today we're going to do like Sunday school. We are going to revise what, what, was, what was the big idea. John 3.16 um, says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So that's the first reason that you can give for the hope that you have. God loved me because I'm, I'm, I'm part of the world. I'm a human being. And God did not want me to perish. So Jesus has been given to me to believe in him. So that as I believe in him, I will not perish, but I have eternal life. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Luke. And we'll do this, we'll do this quite fast, so it won't take so long. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 30. Luke chapter 2. Okay, the context here, this is before salvation. Before salvation, remember it was the Jews. The Jews are the ones who had a true relationship with God. And this is a Jew speaking. So Simeon, baby Jesus is now is, is in the temple with, with his uh, parents. Um, and then there was a man called Simeon. From verse 25, he tells us that Simeon was a righteous and devout man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That means whatever he would speak and say is something that God's Spirit was resting upon. So, 
when the parents, verse 27, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, when they brought Jesus to, for baby dedication, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Baby Jesus, he's looking at baby Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Okay, so Jesus has been prepared in the sight of all people. That means he came and lived as a man. He was sinned. He was not a ghost. He was a real human being who came and eventually was put on the cross. But what else is he? Verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. It's interesting that Simeon should say this because he was a Jew. And at that time, it was only the Jews that had the concept of the true God. But Simeon knew something. So Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to us. He's a light to me, a light for revelation to me, and for glory to your people Israel. The glory goes back to the Israelites because it is through them that Jesus came, right? So that's one thing. The other thing that we can look at, if we go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, let's just jump there quickly. Acts chapter 4, I think you're going to, you know the verse I'm going to. This is Peter's speech. Uh, around verse 12. Now Peter is speaking to the Jewish religious leaders. The ones who all along it has been handed down to them that you are the ones who have the true God. You are the ones who have the knowledge of the true God. But also remember that the people who persecuted Jesus the most during his ministry were the same Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, we're talking about who is Jesus and what is the big deal about Jesus. Okay, verse 11. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Now he's talking to the Jews. Then he makes a statement and says, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Salvation is found in no one else. Very important for us to remind ourselves that because many times we, the human nature by default tries to save itself. Humanism, separate from God, the whole idea of humanism is survival. Save yourself. Save yourself. Help yourself. We are selfish. We are inward looking. We are inward looking. But now, when we come to faith in Christ Jesus, we are challenged, we are confronted with a challenge that we must lay down our lives. Jesus himself said, if any man come after me, what must he do? He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. So this is, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding us of why Jesus is such a big deal, because he's literally the foundation upon which we stand and our lives 
spring from. So the religious leaders, they trusted in the law, they considered themselves okay, and even after Jesus had resurrected, they continued to persecute the disciples. All right, let's also jump quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And let me just read quickly verse 3, 4, and 5. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, who was not a Jew. And this is now later on, after, after converts had come into the church and churches had been planted. So let me read from verse 3. Uh, Paul is, is saying, he's urging that prayers and requests and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. We're talking about the big deal. Why is Jesus the big deal? Because here it says, verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given in its proper time. So Cornelius had a relationship with God, but God wanted him to come in proper alignment. And proper alignment is you come to faith in Christ Jesus. And then when you come to faith in Christ Jesus, now you have the proper connection to God. It's very important for us to understand this because we will encounter people who will come and say, I have a relationship with God. And without Jesus, you will, we will have to, in the love of God, explain this, that there is one God and one mediator. Without being confrontational, without being prideful, or, you know, feeling like I know better and you don't, no, 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 no. We need to. Why? Because it is not anyone's, when we are born into this world, without Christ, we are all under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. You remember last time when I was here, I explained that no matter how you look at life, there's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness is warring against the kingdom of light. And so, and trying to also keep its own members from coming into the kingdom of light. But we know that because our captain has been, has been victorious and has conquered death and the grave, we know that we will get people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So that's important for us to know. Now, when you read Psalms 27, Psalms 27 verse 1, uh, I think it's a memory verse for many of you. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, because of Jesus, now it is true for us. Before that, it was only true for the Jew. It was only true for the Jew before that. But now because of Jesus, whom we have seen, has come as a light to the Gentiles. Now the Lord is my light. Is my light now. Mine. Me personally. I speak for myself. Um, this now is the process that is unfolding. The Lord is now becoming the light to Cornelius. Who has the light? Who has that word that has the light? Peter. So let's go back now to Acts and continue the story. Uh, Acts chapter 10. Because also it wasn't an easy ride for Peter as well. Acts chapter 10, I think we are on verse, um, verse 23. So they've eaten lunch. They've eaten lunch. He's invited the men. Okay, you guys, let's chill out here. Um, we'll go tomorrow because we've come from far. So the next day, verse 23, the next day Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Lesson from there, please. At the end of the day, no matter how elevated we may get, remember the words of Peter. I am only a man myself. Let's never let the veneration that is due to God come to us and selfishly keep it. Because remember human nature, we are inward looking. I would feel good if all of you were really talking nicely about me and saying, oh, wow, wow, that guy, that guy. By nature, I feel good. But I am only a man myself. It is God who works through us and in us to bring about his purposes and to speak his word to every one of us. Verse 27, talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Okay, two things here. One, there's the Jewish tradition which is now being challenged by the gospel because the gospel is not just for the Jew only, it's for the Gentile. And the Jewish tradition said, Jews, you eat by yourselves. You are the holy people, please. Don't mix with Gentiles. You will dirtify yourselves. You're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile and visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Now, how much more we, Gentiles, should not discriminate against one another? In Christ, in Christ, we should not. This completely destroys the argument for saying, our church, we do things like this, and those guys do like that. If we all believe in Jesus, 
then we are all members of one body, the body of Christ. And then verse 29. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask what you, why you sent for me? Another lesson here about how God works. There are no assumptions with God. He always asks. Do you remember? Uh, was it Bartholomew, blind Bartholomew, that Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, okay, as who are reading, you read that story and you think, but Jesus is blind. I mean, isn't it obvious? The Lord always asks you and me, what can I do for you? Please remember that. This is, it's a principle of how God operates. And Peter is also operating in that principle. No assumptions. May I ask what, why you sent for me? By now, I'm sure Peter has already figured out that, okay, God has said, don't call them unclean. So, and the men have already told him the story of what happened to Cornelius. Verse 30. Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent, you, I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Please note that Peter said, you know, you know, which means this is somebody who is aware of current events, because they knew at that time, this was a few, a short period after Jesus had been crucified and had resurrected, and there was all this uproar about the believers. So he said, you know, and you know. And then verse 39, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who had the message. So, please understand the, the process of what happened. Peter began to speak, and he, he told them, you know. So there was information they had in their hearts. They had information. They knew, oh, there's this Jesus, um, this is all going on. Now, Peter, in verse 39, testifies as a witness. I was there. I was there. We were there. We, we attest to this Jesus whom you have heard about. And then he spoke about 
um, he gave the, t the testimony of he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify he's the one whom God appointed as the judge. And verse 43, by the time he was speaking, verse 43, the people who were listening to him believed in their hearts. How do I know they believed in their hearts? Because verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who had the message. All who had the message. That means they believed. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Cornelius and his family are the, the, first, the first Gentiles to be saved who, did not, who were saved through faith and through the baptism and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Before that, the, what would happen is you would get saved, but you would still they would still say, be, be circumcised. And we're going to see, uh, as we continue the book of Acts, some of the controversies that came up from those people who held circumcision as a very important thing. Because even Paul, at some point, talks about them in one of his letters, about those who now are holding on to, we have this thing, so what are you telling us? And they were disdaining the faith of those who are believers. And sometimes, ask yourself, sometimes, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like um, my journey of salvation has been really hard? I have scars and marks. And how come this other person who just got born again the other day seems to have this soaring relationship with God? That's, it's normal to feel that way. But please take your eyes off of the people and look to your shepherd because he's the one who knows where he is taking you personally. That's something I want to emphasize. Jesus is our shepherd. Some of these things now, I, I pray that they may become realities, that we are not just, um, it's not just something I learned a long time ago, but the Lord is my shepherd. So when he's my shepherd, honestly, I can't really speak for you, the person on this side or on this side, because I'm, I'm trusting that you are also walking with the shepherd and, 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 you know, seeking God to walk with you. But let's hold on to Jesus. This is the big deal about who Jesus is. Okay, as we come to close, let's now jump to chapter 11. Peter has to explain his actions. So verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. The Bible says that man sees outwardly. I'll look at you and I'll see what you're doing outwardly. But I will not know what is going on on the inside of you if I have not had God that God sent Peter. Please ponder on that. Verse 4. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. 
I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call impure anything that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Verse 14. I want to emphasize verse 14. The message Peter took to them was the message through which they and their household were saved. And it would do us good to study what Peter spoke so that even we can be used of God to take this message to others and their households so that they also may be saved. Okay, verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? In other words, when the word of God comes forth, please let's put aside our traditions that we have been taught. Remember Jesus said our, tra our traditions are what cause the word of God to be of no effect in our lives. Because walking in the word of God requires faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And sometimes the biggest obstacle to our faith is our traditions. I was taught that this is how you do it. I was told you, you cannot do it this way unless you do it like this. Tradition. The word of God comes to us and our choice is to carry it in obedience. Verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, So then... God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. So then, God has granted even us in Kenya repentance unto life. So then, God has granted anyone who hears the word of God repentance unto life. That's why Jesus is a big deal to God. And in the equation of salvation, because there are people who say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. There are people who say, um, I have a relationship with God, but don't, not Jesus. According to us who believe the word of God, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so it is important for us, not just to know about Jesus, not just to carry him in our hearts, but to walk with him in such a way that when people walk with us, they cannot help but see Jesus because we are drawing life from him. You know, and, and I know, I know right now that we are in days that are difficult. We, we talked about this from the time we were talking about persecution. We're in days where you'll wake up tomorrow and there are issues waiting for you. You'll live here right now and go home and there are issues waiting for you. So our minds are troubled. Our minds always have things. But let's proactively hold on to the Lord. We've had a moment this morning 
to receive the word of God. The word of God is spirit and life. We take it in and we believe it. We recite it to ourselves and it gives us strength. This word that we are reading, it has life. It has life. And as we do that, then we begin to tell ourselves, according to the word of God, I have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? It means I'm stressed, but by faith, I have the mind of Christ. I will have my peace and I will know what wise decisions to make in this decision. And as we do that, as we walk with God, his presence carries us. His presence carries us through the day, through the week, through the month, through the years. And this is how we'll do it. There's no other way. We're going to walk by faith until the day the trumpet sounds and he comes to pick us in the clouds. So please be encouraged. Jesus is for us. He's not against us. He's not somewhere waiting with a whip to whip you because of this and that. There's nothing you could do that could ever take him by surprise. He's got a book with your life and my life written in it. And my response is just to tell him, Lord, lead me in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And as, we, as he does that, then I look around and I see, wow, my life is going a certain direction because I'm walking with Jesus. That, my dear brethren, is the word of God to us today. Jesus is a big deal. It was a big deal, big enough deal that God sent him to the cross and that God sent an angel to Cornelius to, to tell him to send for somebody who will come and tell him about Jesus. May God bless you as you hear this word made, go into your hearts and may a fire burn in each and every one of us that will unmistakably speak of Jesus wherever we go. Amen. May God bless you.